0: Good evening, everyone. I am Mark Cortade. I'm the executive director of the Huntington Arts Council. And welcome to this evening's Conversations in the Arts. And the topic will be Long Island's Arts Councils. Um, I have some wonderful guests with me. I will introduce them shortly. But I'm going to do my executive director spiel. And this is when I feel that I work on public television or something. You know, you no, know, it, it's all good tonight. Um, I want to thank the New York State Council on the Arts, uh, Suffolk County Office of Cultural Affairs and the town of Huntington for their ongoing support, which makes programs like this and others possible. And this whole idea of um, the conversations started out as a way to expand the gallery concept. Back when we could actually physically all be in the same place at the same time, we will get back there. But it was an idea for bringing people into our gallery for conversations and we would get people who might not normally go to a gallery. And it mixed people from visual arts and performing arts and uh, just made a a nice haven and brought new people in. So that was the original impetus. So with that, I will tell you uh, some other things coming up uh, that I I like to mention. uh, And I think we will get into some of these things as we talk there's some collaborative things going on here. Um, there, there's arts leadership forums. Those are in collaborations with the Long Island Arts Alliance. Um, they'll, they'll run from 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning. And the topic of that is appropriately, the art of intersection, creating positive impact through cross-sector collaborations. We will do a second one uh, uh, in a series of three that will be in February uh, at the Jazz Loft and it will be on equity in arts management. So hope you will join us for some of those. Also in collaboration with BACA, Babylon Citizens Council on the Arts. I hopefully got that right. Um, We have a a technical assistance program called Business Education for Artists. It's a series of professional development workshops and that will be from four workshops beginning Tuesday, October 12th. And Marie St. Cyr will be leading those workshops. Also, upcoming in collaboration with our friends in Patchog, Patchog Arts Council, Arts Ontario from one to six. And the same day, Heckscher Museum is doing their draw out in Heckscher Park from 12 to five. Uh, our next conversations in the arts in October will be. One of my board members said to me, have you ever thought of doing these in Spanish? And I said, well, I thought of it, but I can't do it. So Jose Tudivan stepped up to the plate and will be leading two of these in October. October 6th will be in Spanish and the following week, October 14th, will be in English, where we talk about amplifying voices in the arts, voices of the next generation. So I'm looking forward to that. And... Kudos to Jose for helping us out with that. Uh, may lead to some better things in the future. You know, as always, donations are welcomed and encouraged to help the program flowing for us and for all of my colleagues tonight. So please make donations as often as possible. And if you enjoy these things, they are on our Facebook site, as well as some of our colleagues. They're also available as podcasts via Anchor FM. That's my mouthful. Now I get the, the nice part. I get to introduce panelists. And I did these alphabetically by last name. There was no favoritism in this, which means Beth Giacomo, you get to go first, Executive Director of Patchogue Arts Council. Um, we have Elizabeth Maraki, uh, Executive Director of BACA. And I will be calling you Liz from here on on because that's how I know you, unless you prefer Elizabeth. <laughs> but
1: Liz is good.
0: <laughs> Liz is good. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, Lauren Wagner is the Executive Director of the Long Island Arts Alliance. And I will act as moderator and co-panelists here. So welcome for a conversation about Long Island Arts Council. So I'd like to just start with introductions. Tell us who you are. And I'd like to refer to uh, the artist group on Long Island as the cultural landscape of Long Island. I just like that image very much. And we're a big part of that. So. Please introduce yourselves, describe your organization and artistic projects and how you use your art to promote your voices in the community. So let's start with this alphabetically as I did with the introductions. Beth, if you would lead us off.
2: Okay, sure. Hi, I'm Beth Giacomo and I'm the executive director of the Patchogue Arts Council and Museum of Contemporary Art Long Island. And I'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes. Um, But we've been around since 2008 um, and I was a big part of a large group of people that started the Patchogue Arts Council and then kind of came back to them later. Um, But a lot of what we do um, is based in the visual arts and that's how we've um, moved forward with our space as the Museum of Contemporary Art. But before we had space, um, we worked really closely um, with different organizations in Patchogue to have a visual presence and to create opportunities for artists. Um, So one of the first things we did was create Um, the Lobby Arts program, which we still do to this day. And so we do mini solo exhibitions um, in the Patchwork Theater lobby. And so we'll be starting those up again, as we can open as well. Um, In our space, we have thematic exhibitions, and those are curated um, by either guest curators, um, or we have our program director and senior curator, John Cena. Um, also another founding member of the Patrick Arts Council. So we're pretty young as far as organizations um, go. We're one of the youngest on Long Island, but we've been doing uh, quite a few ambitious projects since we began. And so when we began, we had things like the lobby arts program, our walking arts tour that went on for several years um, and expanded from Patchogue to Islip at one point in time. And some of the largest exhibitions we've done were some of the first biennial saw on Long Long Island. And so we would take 12,000 square feet donated space, create uh, museum quality spaces and invite artists and curate artists from the East End to New York City, Um, for these type of large-scale contemporary art exhibitions. So it's always been really important to us to show work that isn't being shown, underrepresented work, uh, work from emerging, mid-career, and well-established artists all-in-one exhibition program. So we're constantly working to put those types of artists side-by-side to create new opportunities for them. Um, Many of our opportunities also come with support for artists. So our sculpture garden always comes with stipends for artists to create new work. And all of our opportunities are also free and open. You don't even have to be a member of the Patrick Arts Council um, to apply to any of, the, of our programs. We try to keep them as open and as accessible as possible. Um, I don't know how long we're supposed, I'll just leave it there and we'll probably end up coming back to things.
0: <laughs> okay, excellent. And, and I, I will say I, you have really branded yourself as a visual arts Mecca. And you know you—that's you know. I think visual arts. I think patch hog, You've really rose to the Great, forefront there. So I, I congratulations! Not to say we don't do some and others here don't do some. Yeah, but yeah, we all you do really different. Really made it your your focus, uh, your brand actually. Yes. So Good job, thank you. Thank, you. thank you. Okay, Liz, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Baca?
1: Hi, I'm Liz Merarki I'm the executive director of BACA, which stands for Babylon Citizens Council on the Arts and we're a nonprofit arts council serving the town of Babylon and it's nine hamlets and two, three villages. Um, and we um, focus on, on being a resource center for arts artists and the community um, and are involved with a few different types of arts, including performing arts. We have a performing arts Focus. It's a multi-purpose arts center, but it's really focused on performing arts in Lindenhurst. Um, our office is in Babylon Village, and we do um, have programming across the town of Babylon, including two long-standing programs, our Palmanach Pow Powwow, a Native American Powwow, and our Long Island Bluegrass Festival. The Powwow will actually be celebrating its 40th year in 2022, and the Bluegrass Festival its 20th year in 2022. Uh, I'm sorry yeah it's 20th year in um, 2022 so we have and we've have some new and exciting programs um, as well so we, we have some art shows um, we have art exhibitions that are long-standing traditions um, we also have art classes and workshops different types of workshops uh, mark mentioned one of the workshops we will be doing next in uh, partnership with Huntington Arts Council which will be focused on providing small business resources to artists um, and really we have you know we've maintained those traditions and are also focusing on meeting the changing needs of the community um, and so that's that's
0: a lot <laughs> that's a lot and how long have you been in existence uh, we, since?
1: Have, we were incorporated in 1974 so we have been Around for quite some time.
0: (laughs) Go for it. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Lauren, why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, LIAA, please?
3: Sure. First, I'm just going to put this out there. I've been sick for a little while, so I apologize if my voice is a little funny. Um, My name is Lauren Wagner. I'm the executive director of Long Island Arts Alliance. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, Long Island Arts Alliance was founded in 2003. Uh, with the goal of creating a island-wide cohort of non-for-profit organizations that are actively addressing the concerns of uh, the entire sector across the island. Um, Our mission is to provide uh, vision and leadership to support the thriving arts, uh, what do you call it, Mark, the arts ecosystem across the island. Um, And this is all done through initiatives that uh, engage and promote um, the arts um, I'm sorry, engage and promote our local arts organizations as well as our artists, our public schools, and uh, of course, our communities. So, uh, one of our really long standing programs that we're most proud of is our Scholar Artist Program, which recognizes um, 40 high school seniors every single year um, for their incredible talents in uh, digital art, visual art, theater, music, and dance. Um, we have their pro. you've probably seen their profiles in Newsday. Um, throughout the school year. Um, We just announced our our class of of winners this year and every year they absolutely blow my mind. Um, So that's a really great program that we're super proud of. Uh, We also run the Long Island Arts Map, which has taken kind of a hiatus uh, because of COVID (laughs) over the last couple of years. Um, But we are uh, really focused on um, providing marketing opportunities, uh, visibility and access to all of our member organizations across the island. Um, In addition, we serve as an advocate for arts education in our schools. Uh, We collaborate um, on strategies for economic development um, and incorporating uh, community uh, uh, creative placemaking and community projects. Um, Today, our membership boasts over about 120 of our uh, arts and culture organizations across the island. And that's really only uh, a fraction of what exists um, across this incredible space that we have here. and uh, that includes organizations and creative businesses. Uh, includes a diverse range of dis- disciplines, budget, and, and geographic representation. Um, so I'm just going to announce the little elephant in the room real quick. So I'm not <laughs> <laughs> the Long Island Arts Alliance is not necessarily an arts council. Uh, we are an arts service organization. So um, I think it's an important differentiation um, to make. While we're not necessarily the traditional and and definition of an arts council, uh, we are able to focus our uh, projects and our initiatives on um, supporting arts organizations only because we are in such a unique environment on Long Island for having so many arts councils. Um, We recognize that you know my my friends my colleagues like Beth and Liz and everybody else across the island I think there's there's what like 12 um arts councils or something like that it's it's, a, it's quite a number um you guys are doing such incredible work on the ground with the artists that I'm here to support you I'm here to support the um you know the organizations and and um, how we can promote and and um, highlight the work that you are all doing, um, as well as our museums, our galleries, our theaters, and and all of that. So uh, while I'm not necessarily an arts council, I am an arts service organization, and that is um, almost one and the same, but not quite identical.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. And you know, we were joking before, and it's like it's like <laughs> you know, all thumbs are fingers, but all fingers are not thumbs. But Lauren is about as close you get to an arts council. Um, and it, sometimes it depends on who you ask what the definition is, uh, and I won't even read that, but um, I, I'm Mark cortade I'm the Executive Director of Huntington Arts Council, and I think Huntington is the oldest arts council on Long Island, at least of the ones that I've recently surveyed. We were incorporated in 1963, and I think they came about originally because the town of Huntington wanted to do the Huntington Summer Arts Festival, a performing arts festival in Heckscher Park, and as a lot of government entities know, it's cheaper to hire a not for profit to do something than to do it as a government entity. And, and there's also different um, expertise levels that come w- with a not for profit that may not be at a government entity. So that's how it was founded and incorporated. And they've been doing the arts festival since 1965. Um, there's a lot of programmings that go on in Huntington and started out as services for the township of Huntington. I had to laugh when you were giving your speech, uh, Liz, because, you know, and the eight hamlets and the, you know, there's Long Island is very much fractured. You know, there's, what, 125 school districts on Long Island, which is you know, unheard of in the rest of the part of the state. Lauren alluded to the the wealth of arts councils because a lot of localities and municipalities have them. Other parts of the state, there is one arts council, maybe per county or maybe for a tri-county, five-county area. So Huntington uh, has been doing the Summer Arts Festival for a long time, has a marvelous, well, I'm biased, has a marvelous arts education program called Journey that was founded in 1995 by Sandy Chapin. And it's a way to bring arts and culture into the classroom, into other core subjects, still going strong. We have eight of the school districts in Huntington Township as as our partners. Uh, We have our gallery, but the program that I'm, probably the most proud of that I, I think is maybe unique to Huntington Arts Council is we handle the regrant for the New York State Council of the Arts for NASA and Suffolk County for what used to be the decentralization program in 22 it will be known as statewide community regrants program. And that is a big piece of work. Um, we have two grant opportunities open at the moment. So hopefully a lot of the smaller organizations that are not funded directly from the state are applying and will be getting some funding from us for uh, projects to take place uh, in 22. And that special Restart New York grant is going on for in-person projects from July 1st through June 30th of next year. If you're confused, I am too, but I have a marvelous staff that handles that program. And actually I have a marvelous staff all around. I've been the executive director since 2015. So I'm, you know, I'm in seven years right now. And what did attract me to the position was the Grants for the Arts program. I just, I knew of that. I thought that was fantastic. And it was something that I wanted to be a part of and, you know, bring, bring forward a little more. And, uh, you know, Lauren knows this, she talked about doing services for us and there's a thing called advocacy. And I spend a lot of time dealing with other arts councils from around the state and getting to our legislatures and just letting them know the importance of the arts and trying to get more money for the arts because anything that goes into the not-for-profit arts world comes back into the local economy at uh, over $5. Every dollar is worth over $5 in your local economy. So we're good for people's souls, but we're also really good for area economies never forget that. Um, I do want to ask um, people's educational experiences um, and previous not-for-profit arts experiences, how did it prepare you for, for the, the positions you're in now? And you know running an arts council there's no like manual for doing these things. you know a lot of other places it, it's a more this is the traditional role of a, mu- a museum director or uh, a performing arts director. Arts Councils, because they do such a, a wide variety and have you know fingers in a lot of different pies, it, it's, I think, a, a very tricky job to do. Um, but I, I'd like to hear from some of you. Why don't we go and, re- Lauren, would you start us out? Happy to.
3: Um, so education first. Is that kind of what we were starting with? Yeah. Um, so I received my bachelor's degree in arts administration uh, from Wagner College, and then I received my uh, master's degree in museum studies from Johns Hopkins. Um, I dove. I always knew I wanted to do something in the art field, in the art, art in the arts world. I was involved with theater and uh, music when I was younger. Couldn't paint or draw to save my life, but was obsessed with people that could. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something. Uh, I I ended up nailing this really interesting internship uh, my senior year of college um, at a nonprofit organization called White Box in, uh, yeah, White Box, sorry, in in Manhattan. Um, And that was like my first foray into the nonprofit sector. Um, I uh, moved to Miami after I graduated college uh, and landed another job at a nonprofit organization down there as their director of exhibitions. Uh, it was called the Bakehouse Arts Complex. Um, the Bakehouse was uh, really the um, the pivotal moment in my career where I recognized. So let me let me go back a bit. Um, so the Bakehouse Art Complex is a nonprofit organization uh, in the heart of Wynwood in the in the Miami Arts District. It's a 30, almost 36,000 square foot facility. Um, It contains 60 artist studios, two galleries, um, a classroom, print room, dark room, uh, ceramic studio, like just this very incredible retrofitted bakery turned into this just very awesome art space. Um, And that was really the first time that I experienced what kind of influence artists can have on other artists the community coming in can have on artists, um, that this, like, this exchange of ideas and um, experiences can really uh, launch careers, um, spark people to, to experiment with new mediums. Um, and I got to experience all of those people coming in all the time and talking to each other. And it really made me realize that art in itself is not an insular, it looks like an insular practice, right? So it's somebody in a room creating something beautiful, but really what it is is this this community, it it takes a community to to make the arts thrive. Um, And I think that's what we do, right? As arts councils, as arts service organizations, we ensure that the creatives in this community, the art lovers in this community, um, the arts appreciators, the 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 collectors, the they, the 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 funders—they know where to find and they know where to to go to to have those conversations to thrive. So that experience at that 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 job really shaped me um, as a person, as a professional. Um, but it—I don't know—it shaped me as a leader too because I really um, I fell in love with the process, not only of the the act of of. Of, of the creation of the art of whatever form it is, but the the creation of the community um, in response to that art. So that's kind of like, I don't know, that's sort of how I ended up in this art service um, world. And, and I'm so appreciative um, for you know being handed that very, a lot of responsibility as a very young kid, I was like 24 years old, uh, <laughs> but it really shaped me.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, uh... Beth, why don't you come in next, please? Okay, sure. Um, Well, so I have more of an artistic background.
2: My um, Bachelor's of Fine Arts is from the School of Visual Arts. And then I have a Master's in New Forms from Pratt. Um, So my professional practice, my art practice, kind of intertwined with my uh, experiences, nonprofit and museum-wise. And I kind of came full circle. So I started with the Patrick Arts Council when we were first starting and um, the town was interested in the arts and the connection with revitalization and had already began with um, the Patchogue Theater. Um, and now we were looking um, to really continue that and, and push that forward and really make Patchog like a center for the arts. And we have art space, uh, which some of you may know, it's a live workspace, um, which now is also partly our home. So we have our gallery space there. Um, But sort of all of that was happening when I was going to grad school and I knew I wanted to continue my art practice, um, but I wasn't quite sure where I would land after graduate school. And so right um, in the beginning, like right before I started graduate school, uh, we were starting Arts Council. So I was working a lot of volunteer work with them and I was getting to curate, plan events, see what it takes to make a nonprofit from scratch because that's what we were doing. So everything from becoming a 501 uh, to fundraising, to finding space, which we didn't have till many years later um, and to putting on these large scale events. And we were mostly artists planning for Right artists, so artists opportunities being centric to what we were doing um, as well as those larger scale exhibitions that we weren't seeing happening that we really wanted to see. Um, and then at the same time I was working, my own professional practice moved between glass blowing and sculpture and now it's um, installation and inflatable large scale sculpture. Um, but I would do quite a bit of traveling so I was also really interested in residencies Um, And the way that residencies ran, I was interested in kind of bringing them back here um, and connecting them to where I was. So um, after volunteering with the Patrick Arts Council for a number of years, I found myself at the Islip Art Museum, which was one of the first places I actually showed a piece of work when I was like much, much younger. Um, And I always really loved, I love the space and I love their programming. um, And, well, you have a mentor question in there, so I'll leave that for later. Um, but I really love that space. So I interned there, um, and then I was be then I was able to learn more about what it took to um, run a museum. But everything, because it was such a small staff, um, everybody had their hands in everything. And it actually was very similar where there is no manual.
3: <laughs> so
2: a lot of it, and it's constantly changing. Um, so I had a lot of experience with art handling and installing exhibitions and then sort of the backside of uh, learning more about curatorial for museum spaces. Um, I loved it and when I was there, I said I always wanted to work there. And then so a number of years later, the opportunity came to be that I could work there. Um, and I became their exhibitions director, um, but really it was much more than exhibitions. It was a, it was about expanding their um, reach to the community so we did quite a few of um like after hours programs and lectures and things to get younger people more interested in what the museum was doing it's like this you know beautiful contemporary art museum plopped in you know the middle of suffolk and a lot of you know a lot of people did know about it It actually had quite a wonderful reputation i think it's uh, over 50 years old now in any case wonderful experiences through working for them and being able to create Um, Really, I had like a lot of creative freedom there. So I could really kind of run with lots of ideas and there was a lot of support for it. Um, And then a position opened up at the Patrick Arts Council and they were hundred percent volunteer until I was hired as their executive director. Um, But in between there, I was also full-time faculty for Briarcliff College. So I was part of academia. I still am and I still, um, I'm an adjunct professor when I can be. Um, And I have a part-time position with Farmingdale State College as their gallery director. And I do some interim work for Iona College with their gallery space. So I really love working with different types of spaces. Um, They're all extremely different from each other. um, So that's really nice. And um, curating and getting to work within uh, exhibition spaces is like another form of artistic expression, right? It's like, it's a total another way to create. Um, And we do focus a lot on visual arts, but we have quite a bit of, um, when we do festivals and larger events, that's when we like to tie in all of our music, literary and dance. So like at Arts Ontario, we kind of represent all of those, and that's exciting. And one of our newer events, Mocha Lights, which will probably come up later, uh, is sort of just in line with what the Pedro Arts Council loves to do, which is bring new media into attention and give artists the opportunity to work with it. Um, But basically all of those things filtered into coming full circle back to pack. um, And I was really happy to do that. So here I am. And there were a couple international residency things and projects like that, that I started the museum that actually also came with me. So something called Slide Slam is something we started um, these five minute, really quick presentations where we connect artists um, from across Long Island to different venues um, and people who could potentially give them opportunities for their work. We started that at um, ISAB Bart Museum. Um, and then that's moved now to uh, Patchogue Arts Council. Um, and we also did something called uh, NICUS, the New York Contemporary Arts Symposium, where we brought over a dozen different artists from different countries together um, for two week residency symposiums. And it's very much how I go and work on my own practice. And I just really loved the idea of bringing different artists from different backgrounds together to local artists so that you could create like a larger network. And a lot of times those local artists are now getting opportunities to travel much farther outside um, their current practice into other different, they're invited to other residencies in different countries as well. So in any case, there it is, full circle, coming back to Patrick Arts Council.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Liz?
1: Yes. Um, so I have a little bit of a different background. Um, I graduated from Penn State with a degree in integrative arts, um, which is what it sounds like. It's to do with integrating the arts into different things. Um, and a minor in engineering entrepreneurship, which is actually a entrepreneurship minor that was designed for engineers, and I was one of the only art majors to um, take that minor. Um, and I also um, graduated with from the Shrier Honors College in art education with art education so um, those three things came together for my degree in my academic Background. Um, when I graduated, um, I started working for Sherwin Williams in their industrial paint and coatings division, um, doing management uh, managing facility and also in sales. So uh, professionally, I have practical business background. Um, and I have found that and I've also had a few um, internship experiences in museums and one um, in a childcare center in the arts. Um, But I found that the practical business knowledge has really served me in a lot of different ways, which has um, really played into, first of all, the operations of an organization, which, you know, it can be applied in in a few different ways, um, but also I think has played into really my feeling that Um, practical knowledge should be given to artists. And um, it's something I sought out professionally. um, And I think that played into, you know, these things that Mark mentioned, the workshops we're doing with uh, Marie St. Cyr and the development of those workshops. Uh, Marie's a local artist, and I think she's had some similar kind of non unconventional experiences that have allowed her to develop her um, her own um, small business and herself as an entrepreneur. Um, and um, so you know, I, I also feel that those things are, are important to offer to artists and the creative community um, and experience is really a, a, a good way of, of getting that knowledge. And another way that I feel I've applied and that that served me in my role as an executive director and a nonprofit arts council is really being able to I think Lauren and Beth both touched on this, but really make connections within the community and has played into, I think, um, you know, some of the cross sector partnerships that Baca has been able to get involved with over the last um, few months, mm-hmm. um, years. Um, you kind of, you know, it's kind of being being able to make connections between the arts world and some of the other worlds within our our community, um, and. I started with BACA in 2019 as the art program director and recently have become the executive director. That's really my only nonprofit experience. Um, So, And I I will say, you know, I've had, um, I think I'm the greenest of my um, uh, here, but I think that, you know, I've had some help in, you know, be, being uh, learning my role from resources like Nikon, a New York Council of Nonprofits. Through our, um, we also receive uh, funding from New York State, and that has been a great resource as well as from the colleagues that I'm here with today. So, um, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you know we don't come out of a box ready to do these things, and all our experiences mm-hmm. are different. Um, I'm going to throw in mine, and you know as I look here, it, it just makes me think. And it just is what it is, it, it makes me laugh. I'm in a good space of life. I am the oldest one here and I'm probably old enough to be most of your parents right now, and that's okay. But my experiences are in a ways differently because when I started, um, I, I, was, I had worked um, in this, that, and the other thing, uh, and I was working for chemical bank in the data communications department when I heard about this job at New York City Opera. And like, like you said, Lauren, I knew I always wanted to be involved in working in the arts. I just didn't know you could. you know. I just really didn't know you could. I'm from Buffalo, New York. I moved down here to really work in the arts. And more than that, I didn't know how to do. And it just sort of happened the way it happened. But I think we get where we're supposed to go, which is you know one of those life lessons I, I've learned along the way.
1: I, I agree uh, with that, Mark. I think I always also felt that I would be, you know, back in the arts somehow. I think that if that's something you're focused on and something you find important, you will find your way back. And I think that you know is something that also personally I find important in helping anyone else who feels that they want, you know, to know how to be involved and to yeah. incorporate the arts in their lives. I think we probably all have that in common.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But all I, the experiences I'll, I'll... go together to to help make it all work, I think. And yeah. Go go ahead, Lauren. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put
3: I'll piggyback on that too because um, you know, I'm I, I kind of when I introduced, you know, what I've done, I kind of went straight for the nonprofit world, but you know, um I, I left the nonprofit world for a little while. I, I tried my hand at a I, I was a director of a, a pop art gallery in Manhattan for a few years and I sold incredible works of art for an obscene amount of money. Um and I learned so many lessons um, that you learn from that world, right? Um I worked in an artist studio for a while just to kind of try my hands in there and just understand what that culture was like. I tried my hand in TV. I did that for a little while. Um, so I took a lot of those experiences, um, but knew I was always going to find myself back to nonprofits. Mm-hmm. There is something in arts leaders that are in the nonprofit world that need to be in this world. There's this service bone in our body that we need to fulfill. And, um, you know, every other job that I've had has been much more, you know, um, lucrative and and not as much of a headache you know it's had more of a manual um but I like I like that chaos because it allows us to adapt to our creative community as they're adapting right so yeah. what we've done in the last 18 years doesn't mean that's what we're going to be doing for the next 18 years it's we have to be constantly evolving yeah. um you know with with our communities that we're serving so um I I just ha- I had to throw that in there because yeah. just like and, you know you're like moving almost... back
0: to art I'm going to change locations and places, but a lot of it is extremely similar to that. You know, from, from New York City Opera, I went to Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts um, and I, I was wound up in development fundraising offices and I was in the back office. I was a database whiz and, you know, I could, you know, fundraisers don't seem to want to do spreadsheets well I can do all of that stuff and and, you know I I can make sure the money gets in the bank I could do all of the back office stuff and learn very well, but I wanted to um, get a degree, and at that time, uh, the only not for profit management degree on the East Coast was at the new school, it was still the new school for social research. And I left my job at Lincoln Center and worked for a financial services firm in Midtown, and they had more money than God, and it wasn't enough. But that's what they did. They made money, but they had complete tuition reimbursement. And I went, took that job, and for four years, I I was working full-time and going to to school part-time, and I got my master's in Let's see if I can get it. an MS in management and urban policy with a specialization in not for profit management. Now, I had thought about going for an MFA and that, oh, that would be too limiting. You could only work in the arts. You no, know, damn well, I just wanted to work in the arts, you know, <laughs> like, but, you know, I could have gone into city planning or I could have gone into hospital management or something like that. But it led me back to the arts and I graduated. I put like my last reimbursement check in, in my account and resigned those were the days where it was not taxable it was just one of those benefits I mean I really lucked out in, in that way and I'm very grateful for it and then I started um, on Long Island I got a job at Tilla Center for the Performing Arts at Post and was um started out in development and was called a lot of different things that as long as you smiled when you said it, I didn't care what you called me um, I was one of those people, I would tell my boss, could you do, so? just put it on my desk and tell me when you need it. I was one of those. I would, you know, jack of all trades, artist contract, sure, I'll handle them for you. Um, I need a study for sure, I'll do that for you. And I mean, I love that because there was a certain degree of creativity in what you do. And I don't like having to do the same thing the mm. same way over and over. I, I think we're all kind of creative people. That's a, a very unifying theme for us. And, you know, all of that led me to coming into running an arts council. And I think I I mentioned this, I I think I was in shell shock for about three years because, (laughs) uh, you know, this isn't in the textbook. You know, this isn't it, but you take all of these experiences and uh, put them all together. And, Mm. you know, we do good work. I'll, I'll say this, I say it half jokingly, and I kind of mean it. I don't know what it's like where you are, but I can walk down the street in Huntington and six people will tell me, you know what you should be doing? Like everybody knows how to do my job better than I do. (laughs) And at this point, I've I've actually learned to say, you know what, do you know what you should be doing? I now answer, yes, I do. Thank you. Move on. (laughs) You know, and if they have some valid suggestions, I'm very happy to listen to, but you know, somebody else will do this differently. You know, uh, but that's kind of the point of it all. Each of us brings our own stamp, our own special uh, uh, abilities to something. And yeah, I don't want to ever go back to work in the for-profit sector, because it's just, it, it's not part of my DNA. The not-for-profit art sector is a part of my DNA and it just is what it is. So maybe, maybe we have that in common amongst other things. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I I do want to go to, I'm going to jump to one of those other questions about role models. Um, You know, you alluded to it, Beth. And I I want to start off this question, Uh, you know, what what role models or people who inspired you to follow your artistic visions? And I have to say, personally, I really didn't have any because the sector didn't have those type people. You know, it, it just wasn't a, you met some, well, I want to do that job you know, that's what I want to do. But I'm going to mention two very important people in the history of arts management, certainly in the country and New York State. Um, When the New York State Council on the Arts was founded in 1969, the chairwoman was Kitty Carlisle Hart. If you don't know her name, look her up. She was an actress. She did operettas. She's in a Marx Brothers movie. She married a director and playwright, Moss Hart, and that was like her Integrate, she knew the Algonquin table but she was the person who could polarize the arts she could go to Albany and get people to listen to her and you know like I, I have a respect for this and they tell stories about her you know people who have been, been around and like they used to call her governor darling she'd call the governor governor darling I need five million dollars and she'd get it and she would get it and she would get these portraits started, you know, she got in it, we we really need kitty Hart around nowadays. And there's um, other stories where one time she charted a plane from New York City, and you know, brought her friend Lauren McCall and they just went up and down the assembly and went into offices. You tell Lauren Bacall she's not welcomed in your office. I'm, I wouldn't do it. I don't like it. I don't, You know, whatever Lauren wants to say, I'm listening to. So, you know, I think she's kind of a legend in the industry, but we could really use a spokesperson like that. And another person from kind of my past that when I worked at City Opera, Beverly Sills had just retired as general manager. Like I came in like two weeks after. When I left Lincoln Center, Beverly Sills became the chairman of the board like a month after I left. So I missed her. I, I met her sometimes, but Sills was probably the best fundraiser the not-for-profit arts ever had. She was a celebrity. She was, everybody in America knew who she was and she could get money out of people. Um, a good buddy of mine, Work with her uh, during her 10 years, one of the funniest people on the planet. And he would just tell stories how, you know, you go to lunch and you try to get money out of, out of people and that Beverly didn't like doing that because she couldn't eat because she just kept talking until the check was in her hand, but she could leave <laughs> with a check in her hand. And just another like little anecdote that amuses me. Beverly also had some children with birth defects and did a lot of fundraising for March of Dimes and I guess she was in, in Miami at a luncheon one day and had to fly back to do a fundraising dinner at the opera, didn't have time to go to her office. And she hands my friend Joe her purse and says, Don't take your hands out, your eyes off my purse. Don't leave this, you know, like, you know, what she got in here? And you know, later she said, What's in this? She's like, these people were just throwing checks at me. I've got a half a million dollars in my purse. You know, she had that type of cachet. And like, man, the arts desperately need a spokesperson like that nowadays. You know, the, um, and and I can't even think of who would be a good person to just let loose in in Albany and say, you know, talk to these people, go. (laughs) Um, Those were two people that I greatly admire in the history of it. But like, personally, there were people uh, that I took a little bit from this person or a little bit from that person. I liked how they handled that, but not like how they handled that. Sometimes that's a good learning experience, you know. To you take the good, you take the bad, and and you average it out. I have a hunch your experiences are going to be different here. Um, Liz, did you have any like real mentors steering you into this?
1: Um, My mentors and my, you know, role models have really been my educators through the years, um, and both, you know, formal formal educators and informal. So um, in terms of, you know, my steering me in my career and of course, family members, but really there are a few mentors I've had that really stick out in my mind. Um, and they have all been art educators in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's where I draw my, my inspiration from. Um, so, I mean, really, I think that, that art education is is really important, um, and education in general, and I think that that's woven into what we do as arts councils also.
0: Excellent, yeah. excellent. So, uh, Beth.
1: Sure, I can go for
2: on.
0: it. Yeah,
2: um, I have the kind of the same experience where it's mostly educators that I've had, uh, both formal and informal, and family that have sort of really like supported every part of us. I'm like born and raised in Patchogue, so it's kind of funny that I'm also still there. I always like left and came back, left and came back. I still leave and come back. <laughs> and I will, I will continue to do that. But, you know, um, my both my parents, they had a very successful business and sort of um, always pushed me to just go in the direction I was going. I was always support, really well supported in going into the arts, even when I wasn't really sure where I would end up. I kind of always actually thought it would be teaching. And I went on for my MFA thinking um, that I was going into higher education permanently. And then after having that super super lucky to have a full-time experience of that very early on actually taught me I didn't want that but so many of the people I work with I'm still friends with now but like mentored me through that process or when I met Mary Lou Kohalan from Isla Park Museum she was she was the woman running that space and I really Um, valued the work she was doing, and when I ended up there, a lot of what she did, I wanted to continue and then adapt to what it needed to be to grow the museum, but um, all of those lessons together are coming from so many different people, from family and teachers, even like I had a really wonderful painting teacher, his name is Toby Khan, Um, and we've stayed in very close contact over the years, Um, and I always will go back to him for um, advice, and The advice will be anything from my own practice to even Arts Council and his background isn't isn't necessarily the Arts Council, but um, he's just someone I respect a lot and can kind of always go to it's like another uh, voice from the outside Um, and the people around me when we were starting the Arts Council, there were a lot of really strong women like Lori Devlin and Kaylin Geyer who helped start the organization who taught me so much that I wasn't like I didn't learn that in school I learned press and marketing and all these things from them and they mentored me through that process um so I think really yeah it's coming from all different all different directions and I love that and I take what I want to learn and take you know, what I like that they did and see how I can apply it in many ways. It's Mm -hmm. like an art critique. You take the information you want, you leave the other stuff behind. (laughs) Um, And I treat it just like that, (laughs) Um, you know. And I think that um, uh, because I had so many I've had I've been really lucky to have like really great opportunities or like you, Lauren, you said, like you were 24 and you had all that responsibility. Um, when I landed at the museum, it was like an unbelievable thing that I was given that responsibility <laughs> and scary, um, but that just shaped us like shape us forward and I really appreciate those opportunities so I'm always constantly thinking, how can I create some qu- kind of opportunity or something similar for any okay, artist, especially younger like I know when like, and we're kind mm-hmm. of like all around the same age right so like, there were a lot a lot less opportunities like that available and a lot less people maybe creating them I feel like it was a lot harder to find them I feel like there's so many of us trying to create opportunities now that as an artist you have really a lot of different directions to go and you can find the support if you don't have it at home you can find it through arts councils and people who are there
0: and I think maybe that's to me, maybe the most important thing that can come out of tonight is that if you're an artist and you're not quite sure, there's a lot of us out there, call any of us up, come to see any of us. And I might not have the answer, but I may know somebody who does, or you know, maybe in my own office, maybe, you know, a, a colleague somewhere. But, you know, there are resources, which I really wished I had when I was floundering in this, you know, 30 some years ago. Um, Lauren. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, I echo everything that all three of you have said. Absolutely. Um, I was fortunate enough to land into um, one of the first arts administration programs in the country at Wagner College. Um, It was, I I originally was accepted to that school for musical theater. um, And I was super excited about that. And, you know, my dad being the ever protector that he was um, said, well, they have this new program called arts administration. You learn some business skills too. And I was like, (laughs) Fine, I'll do it. Um, And it it was like the best guidance he could have ever given me, even though it, it, you know, uh, I don't think that's exactly what he was going for with it. I think he was kind of thinking the more starving artist, oh no, kind of situation uh, (laughs) by guiding me that way. But um, he, 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 he put that program in front of me, and when I read it, I said, you know what? Actually, that sounds like something I could really enjoy. Um, Since, I mean, I, I, when did I start college? Two thousand and two. So. Since then, there have been a number of programs that have opened up around the country in arts administration. Um, so, you know, anyone who's interested in pursuing a, a career in uh, the arts service sector, I think that's a fantastic um, degree. Uh, you know, because you you're able to gain a lot of uh, insight into, you know, both the the mundane, uh, you know, business requirements and, and all of that jazz that you just kind of have to know uh, because things get thrown at you so fast. Um, and then you also get to, you know, ex- kind of dive into what arts business looks like, which is is, is quite different than any other sector. Um, so the teachers that I had there obviously were my first real mentors. Um, uh, Juan at White Box, who was zany and fun, showed me uh, what a not profit really could what a traffic could be, and and something that was completely out of the box and totally conceptual, and something that I had never really experienced before, completely opened my eyes. Um, and then, like Beth said, every position that I've been in, and there's been a few, um, I've taken something. I mean, every every director that I've had, uh, you know, anybody that I've worked underneath, I've always just um, tried to learn as much as I could for as long as I could, right? So. Um, you know, Arliss Raymond at the at the Bakehouse art complex i mean she she threw her trust in me, she saw that I had a passion, she saw that I had something special to offer, um, and she had me curating art basil exhibitions you know like that that was something that was unheard of um, and I, that was in I, I'm so grateful for that because it taught me so much about who I am and um, you know what I wanted to do and then when I came back to New York and my, you know the owner of the gallery in the city jeff jaffe and um, yeah, Regina Gill at the Gold Coast Arts Center, you know, I, I've learned so much from every single leader that I've, that I've worked underneath, um, that I think each little bit and piece have fallen off and kind of created me as, as now, you know, an executive director myself of a, of an organization that, um, is, is of service, you know, and I, I I'm, I'm proud of that. I, really, I really am. It's, it's something that I think we all should, um, pat ourselves on the back for and, you know, just like Beth said before, you know, being provided some of the opportunities that I've been provided in my career, I'm I'm very grateful for and I'm constantly looking for ways to pay it forward and create those
0: opportunities because that is so important. That is you know wonderful. You know, one of the things that that I did when I was at Tilla Center was I taught arts management classes for the program um, at, at, at post and I loved teaching it. I loved yeah. it, and you could tell you could tell the kids who were there because they really wanted to do this, or the kids who were there because they want to be a musician, an actor, a dancer, what have you, and their parents thought me and their parents the made business it, skills, yeah. you know, like, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, but um, the program morphed this way that way. It never really had a clear direction, and it, they've disbanded it. But at one point, I remember some of the students, you know, like they used to send them up to the um, school of management for the accounting class, and you know, I'm failing accounting and I don't know what to do. So I suggested, why don't we start uh, accounting for you know arts management? And I put the first one together, and. I love doing it and I got kids who I can't add, I'm numbers phobic and like, it has nothing to do with accounting. Accounting is creative, you're creative people. Mm-hmm. It, it's just yeah, like, it's like music, it. you know, you have to take the rules. This is a half note, don't change that. But what you do with that half note, it, it can be whatever you want to do with it. And I got a lot of kids through accounting and it was kind of fun and I looked, I, you know, Over the pandemic, I found the final exam I gave these kids and it's like, this is really hard, (laughs) but you did it. You know, it's that I I expect people to come up here. I'm not going to dumb it down because they say they can't do it. I expect people to come up here. If you expect people to do that, they do it. Mm-hmm. it's called Pygmalion in management having to do with, you know, Eliza Doolittle. When I was treated mm-hmm. like a lady, I acted like a lady. When I was treated like a common flower girl, I acted like a common flower girl. Always expect people to do it because they will do it. Um, and there you go. I'm getting philosophical now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do want it, to, it, it didn't quite come up before, but as I said, I've got a, a staff of Nine people, which is enormous. I, I think there's five part time, four part time, something like that. Uh, and one of the positions got split into two when a, a full time person left for maternity leave, came back, and didn't want to do, you know, five days. Could I do three? And like, I'll get somebody else and make it, you know, two positions into one or one position into two. And I hired uh, an intern from Post. You know, he interned with us and he was marvelous. And, you know, you want to do a couple of days, get some experience in this. And just like, I love seeing him grow. I love seeing how he handles things. And that's like, a, this kid's going places, you know, now he's in the fifth, fifth year of, of an MBA, you know, so he's at all those business things, but I've got him during the day for these arts things. But so I've got a big staff, but most of you, Liz, you've got a, a, a staff sort of, right? You have people
1: we have we do um and we have expanded it recently so um i'm the executive director obviously we have a programs coordinator his name is jason jenkins who started with us as an intern um and then we have two administrative assistants um who do administrative work and we have a web manager they're um Part-time, obviously, uh, web, web and graphics, and also a bookkeeper.
0: That's good. I mean, you've you grown. You've grown yeah. over the past few years and good for you. But I I'm, I'm saying it now. Lauren, <laughs> what is your staff? I, I'm looking, we're looking at your staff, right? <laughs> that says the buck stops here. That, sure does, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. when you want something done you go to a busy person she just gets these projects done and gets them done and that's all there is to it so kudos <laughs> Which, and that, you're, you're similar I know you have John with you but that's oh so,
2: yeah I'm full-time and John's part-time but works full-time and then <laughs>
0: yeah. you know and
2: then And then thankfully we have a wonderful, wonderful team of volunteers. So I have someone who basically works full time um, taking care of volunteers. Our gallery space, our museum space is completely manned um, by volunteers, which is pretty amazing. Um, And then we have a couple of people we like hire hourly as we can. Um, Someone who helps as a gallery assistant, installer to help John in case um, when he needs it. Uh, We do a lot of the art moving and a lot of those things internally cuz we're all trained to do it so it saves us a lot of money. Um and then we have someone who works with like admin and submissions and things like that and one of our board members is actually our accountant so uh,
0: there you go. I mean,
2: there. that's going to change uh-huh. soon but that's what it is right now.
0: Uh, I, but but one of the good things about this is you know, I'll say, you know like oh well he, they have so many people up in Huntington, you know, it's like we don't have enough help, you know, we never have enough help, you you know, and and you (laughs) you, you somehow manage to do it, you know, we we all manage to do these things, Uh, and, but it's a good learning process when, you know, you just don't do X, you do a little bit of this on Tuesdays, and some of that on a Wednesday, and Thursdays, you're hanging stuff in the, you know, it's just never boring, boring. never boring, and just, you know, it's a good, never bored. a lot of skill sets this way mm-hmm. i and love stuffing of- envelopes <laughs> <laughs> about this. sometimes i need to do the moment like that it makes <laughs> your it, it just puts your mind in a good spot Yeah. come,
3: come annual appeal time i enjoy that so yeah me too because it's the- like silence mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, I like oh, it. Same the thing same. over and over again. Yeah. And it's, it's,
0: it's like, visceral. You can oh, actually trifolds and feel
3: it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at it.
0: <laughs>
3: we're okay, we're okay.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen. I do wanna, wanna ask about, um, you know, I was talking to a colleague today and like, you know, the past 18 months have probably been the most difficult months for everybody. I'm not just saying for the arts, the not-for-profit arts sector, it's been uncharted territory. And I, I think, um, I don't remember anything like this. And I've been in the not-for-profit sector for over 30 years now. So it's, it's who knew? Who knew? But I, I, I have to like give kudos to everybody here. And like the art sector kind of kept on ticking somehow. Mm-hmm. We kept our programming going. And in, in some ways, I don't know how we did it. But, you know, one, uh, I, I jokingly told my board, well, um, we never have enough resources to do what we need to do anyway. So we're used to this and we never, you know, also we're creative people. So if there's a creative decision to do it, we're going to find it. it. <laughs> but also maybe the beauty of our sector is um, nobody dies if we do something wrong. You know what I mean? It's not like being a doctor or something. I like to say there's no such Top thing. Brain as surgery. Art. Yeah. There's no such thing as an art emergency. I, there's emergency, no. <laughs> but not an art emergency. And, you know, we can be resilient. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen is you, you try something and it doesn't work. Well, you don't do it again. Yeah, you, you, you know, or, or you tweak it a little bit the next time. You know, we, we have these. um. Uh, you know, we have a lot of creativity. So maybe you could talk about some of the things you did during COVID. And I think, Beth, you, you sort of uh, Im- implied it earlier, maybe start with, I, I'm thinking of sure. you, you couldn't go indoors. So what did you do? went outdoors
2: but we we actually did continue our indoor program we have these beautiful windows so we continued hanging the work and just like left it up a little longer expanded programming um but it was like a a light on for the arts is what I would call it you know so people were taking walks and they were outside that they could stop and still experience uh what we had going on inside and then we really launched into creating virtual tours which over like the course year and a half have gotten significantly better um and through the help of like the arts alliance you know there's this possibility to have even like the best version of these virtual tours you could have but we really just relied on that and then it taught us a lesson something we should always be doing um you know all the work that we're showing in the exhibit why not be posting that constantly it's fantastic content
0: what a concept
2: (laughs) Um, right it's like why weren't we doing that and it's it's a great deal of work more but it's just one of those things that like as we adapt we need to do anyway, plus it makes your audience just so much broader Mm -hmm. um, and gets the work out there and and does the service to the artists, which is to get their work out there. Um, So we had things like that. We launched into virtual programming. We had already started like things with, uh, we had something called Breakfast with the Artists. We work very closely with the Patrick Medford Library to create free programming. All our programming is free. um, And usually it's through relationships like that where we can still pay the artist or the lecturer Um, but then offer it to the community for free. So we did virtual learning to look. Which are like mini art history les- lessons, excuse me, lessons with uh, Professor John Ceno. He's also a professor. Um, we love our art education at PAC. And so he would do like pop art or different uh, surrealism. He would do different moments in, um, in art history that people would want to learn about for learning to look. And then Coffee with the Curator continued as a virtual program um, where whoever we're exhibiting and working with at the time. Uh, would be invited into a for, uh, informal conversation like this about the exhibition, their work, and so on. Um, so we continued that. And then we had actually already been planning a new program called Mocha Lights, uh, which really utilizes um, mapping technology, projection mapping specifically, to project on the facades of our historical buildings uh, in Patchogue. We have quite a few of them. We all have some new buildings too that we project onto. Um, and also just taking the idea of projection and using it in a few different ways. So we were planning that um, pre-COVID, but then we realized very quickly that we could continue planning it because it was going to be very a uh, very safe outdoor arts event that was going to be possible, which was amazing. And it allowed us to keep quite a bit of our funding, uh, which also helped us kind of make it through the storm. In fact, it helped us too much that it's put us in a weird space now, but we're really glad that we were able to do it. Um, And it's a program that allows different artists working in different media can even apply to because we're projecting the artwork in some cases. Um, We are turning the village essentially into an outdoor museum by projecting onto the facades. And we invite artists um, from all over, some of them are local, national, and this year we have some international artists that work with projection um, as a medium. And so they're highlighted in those specific installations. Um, and then we also have these sort of uh, pop-up projection galleries, which is where we invite um, any kind of artist uh, in any medium and discipline to submit. And then we also did something great, which was awesome to work with the Patchogue Theater. We've done, we have a great relationship with them, but they were dark and they really didn't have things they could do. So we utilized their marquee for an exhibition It's the first of its kind on Long Island. And um, we're working with other ideas of bringing that to other places on Long Island. Um, but very specifically, they have a digital marquee. So we reached out and provided education for artists who wanted to make um, mini gifts or animations that are specifically sized for um, the marquee. And so that had a rolling exhibition that ran from October to December. And that was just like really cool to see. It was like a little baby that I worked on over the <laughs> toiling way. It was really fun that I was able to um, creatively work on a project like that, as well as trying to figure out the back end fundraising. Um,
0: <laughs> so yeah.
2: that's well, that, that was like thing our big
0: on the front, that, that F word, little,
2: yeah, the <laughs> F word, and then fun. And <laughs> <fundraising>. <laughs> um, so we had a lot, that was really a wonderful thing for us to put together. It's really changed our relationship with all of the different organizations we work with. And Patrick is, ve- they're very, it's very good. We have a wonderful working relationship that supports almost any program we do. But when we first started to plan that, I thought this is going to be the one, this is going to be the one they say, no, stop. Don't you dare ask for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't even think enough, like, and maybe because I think we were also excited to just to see something come together and to have an arts experience. Mm -hmm. And really, they all became believers right away. And they made it possible because it took a lot of like turning off streetlights. We're working with the bid, the village, you know, people running special wires for us, borrowing electric from different buildings and owners and (laughs) It's so many permissions, permits and, and yeses and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was magical to see come together and it made um, an even stronger connection with our chamber. That was, I thought it was great already and it got even better. Um, it's now considered a signature event for Patchogue. And so hopefully every year we'll have it. This year it'll be twice as big. And that's in October.
0: There <laughs> so, we go. There yes, so go. a resident, I was a resident of Patchogue. Oh I got. I want to jump in and and say it's funny because along the same lines, our gallery has those big windows on Main Street in Huntington, and we had art on the walls the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then you know, let's put it up on our website and let's get it out on social media. And you know, it's it's not the same, but people were walking by, traffic. I I, I mean, it was. And I think people needed to see art. Yeah, they appreciated it. it. I we had a lot of feedback. Yeah. That,
2: that they were thankful we kept the light on like literally yeah I like don't get the light on
0: yeah money. No. I'm not sure if we can afford to pay the electric bill but yeah yeah we're, we're doing what we can but, but yeah the you know, one thing what we're doing now with conversations um you know we would get 20 people in the gallery and I would be thrilled we got 20 people to come to one of these things mm-hmm. now uh, you know, we're going to go back to. We're going to have to figure out how to hybridize it. We're working on that, but you can't not stream these. You know, when they're mm-hmm. up and they're, we get thousands of hits on these things, and like you yeah. can't reach these audiences uh, no. in in a small gallery. And yeah. and it's you know it's been so you know a double. This has been you take the good with it as well. It's it's leading us into some other things. Um, I think and, it has
1: allowed. Um... You know, initially, I think maybe it was a challenge for accessibility in terms of making programming Mm -hmm. virtual, but I think it has also in other ways made programming more accessible to, to to others and that's definitely, I think really, um, it, the arts are always important, but especially in a time of crisis, I think it was especially important that we could still provide our programming and resources and the sense of community, um, you know, over the last year and a
0: half. Mm. Hmm. Uh, agreed. Uh, and you know, I will mention we we also streamed a lot of the summer arts festival, and we did the festival during COVID, where you could only have fifty people in the audience, and you had to sign up. People were so grateful, and the town was so supportive of that. But all the artists would come out and start by saying, this is the first time we've been in front of an audience in four months, five months, six months. This summer, um, the governor changed, we went from zero to a a, a hundred uh, like that. And we kind of phased in the arts festival and had a lot more in-person, but we kept the streaming going and people appreciated that. I don't think that's going to continue forever because it's, you know, a live event is a live event. Streaming things like that can get awfully expensive with royalties. And, um yeah so okay they were looking the other way the last two years but next year you want how much to stream don't don't sing a copyrighted song ever <laughs> you know we can't afford it so I think we're gonna have to weigh that out but you know it's just it's opened eyes to let's try some things I mean Lauren mm-hmm. um yeah. What technology did you use?
3: Yes, so um, you know, I, with the alliance, we took a little bit of a different approach um, because we don't have we don't have exhibitions that we put on every year. We don't do call for artists. that's mm-hmm. not really what we do. We're more focused on on our member organizations. Um, so, as soon as the pandemic hit, we we sent out our first um, Arts Impact survey um, and gathered information from all of our arts organizations about. Uh, economic losses, um, you know, uh, jobs, uh, job losses, um, uh, canceled events, uh, loss of attendance, all of those kind of important data points. Um, and then we survey people again, the entire sector again in October of 2020. Um, and uh, let me tell you, the the results of that that survey were pretty staggering. We have the results on our website if anybody wants to see it. Um, but, you know, briefly of the respondents, you know, we pointed to about a $50 uh, million dollar loss in total revenue. And, and that isn't, an, you know, that's, that's, that's not even, um, I'm sorry, in, in earned revenue, not contributed revenue. So those are all ticket sales and, and, you know, program fees and all of those kinds of things. That's a lot of money. Um, when you look at, you know, what the arts bring to our economy, um, the average person spends 32 dollars um, in over the cost of their ticket price um, if they attend an arts event on Long Island, um, or I'm sorry, uh, in the country is, is what the dollar amount runs out to. So we are an incredible contributor to our local economy. Um, so it was important for the alliance to get all of that needy data to be able to put it together and be able to put a pitch to our local government and say, listen all of these organizations did not turn out their lights even though they were told to they kept their programs alive they brought art to nursing homes i mean the gold coast arts center and the gold coast international film uh, festival figured out ways to put their making memories programs through the um through like the broadcast tv systems in nursing homes for people living with dementia and you know uh, and, and Alzheimer's, I mean, the the things that you all did, um, and beyond all of our arts and culture, you know, sector throughout the pandemic, were absolutely awe-inspiring, um, and those things couldn't be forgotten, right, they can't be forgotten, how the impact that we've had in our community, so we kind of took the, the angle of, all right, we're going to document this, and now we're going to go to Suffolk County, Nassau County executives, because we're in a kind of a weird situation here, where we're in New York State and but so is Manhattan and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of shadows that we have to kind of dodge around when it when it comes to, to funding. Um, so we're 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 really barking up that advocacy tree right now um, as far as the American Rescue Funds and, and all of that. Um, The other thing that we did was uh, we've invested in the equipment and the technology to be able to create virtual tours for our members. Uh, We've done them for, yes, that's actually part of one of the virtual tours that we did for, for PAC. Um, So if anybody, uh, any of our members or any arts organization has an exhibition or wants to do a tour of their facility, um, the cost can be very expensive, um, but with, through us, since we bought the equipment and we're, you know, we, we offer that service um, so that we can kind of help break down some of those barriers. Because I think as um, uh, Pam had mentioned in the comments um, on Facebook, I believe that was passed on to us you know, what are the benefits and the drawbacks of the, of adding technology? And one of the drawbacks is the cost. I mean, it, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's very difficult. easy to hit a Facebook share button, but at the same time, there's a lot that goes into to make sure that the, the quality remains uh, professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't, you know, you want to, if you're spending all of this time and you're spending your money on it, you want it to look uh, a certain way so that you can, you know, c- continue to incorporate it into your programming. So, Um, you know, we, we, we took that upon ourselves to do that, um, and we're also going to be, uh, in over the next three years, I think it takes, or two and a half, three years, something like that. Um, we're going to be heading up the arts and economic prosperity study for Long Island. Um, so we're going to be gathering, um, all the accurate and, and current data on exactly how much, um, uh the arts contributes to the economy on long island so that all of our arts councils and all of our arts organizations can use that um as meat for their grant applications um and to go and find funding for themselves in the programming that they're running and um, there's a bunch of other things that we ran during covid um that were new at, you know our newsletters kind of shifted from once every, twice every year to more about like here's these grant opportunities here's grant opportunities for artists here's where you can go for this information we kind of just really said all right They need us now more than ever. Um, Let's just give them as much information as we can find, um, guide them with the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant. That was a nightmare for everyone, and we tried to provide as much clarity and advice as possible on that. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, recognizing that you all didn't stop and you continue to do what you needed to do and wanted to do, um, you know, we were able to kind of sit back and say, how do we make sure that this is appreciated and that they're going to be able to survive this? Um, but I I do if anybody's on here that's the part of like an arts organization and not an individual artist, or even if you're an individual artist an artist and you want to see um, the survey results were pretty pretty staggering um, from from COVID so far that we've gathered. So,
0: and one thing, and this is you know like maybe there's silver linings on some of these uh, some of these things that are happening. Um, the, the legislature there. The New York State Council for the Arts got a huge budget this year, because if you're trying to stimulate the economy, this is the best way to stimulate the economy. Get, you know, give it to arts organizations because their artists are being put to work. And as you mm-hmm. said, you just don't go to something. You have dinner, or you go out for a drink afterwards. You stop mm-hmm. at a local store. It puts money back into the economies, and, and you know that the message was clearer now than ever. And you know, oh, yeah. while we appreciate. The funding for it this cycle, we've got to continue to thank our, our elected officials for this, but to let them know that you can't take your foot off the pedal now. You right. know, you if you if you keep doing this, it, it's going to keep generating itself, and right yeah, a lot of goods coming it's, up.
3: And it's a huge yeah. responsibility on our shoulders. In addition to you know trying to make sure that we're we're providing for for our artists. Um, just making sure that we're able to survive. you know, that's something that is uh, mm-hmm. weighs on my. you know, my mind every single day is is, all right, well, We've got, we got through this month, you know, like how's everybody yeah. gonna get through the next, next Just get through the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's still really hard because even when we're applying for these funds, right? So NEA just closed and NISCA and all of these American relief funds, it's not immediate, you know? No, it, it's right. th- This funding isn't gonna, we're not gonna be seeing any of this funding is, until next year so it's mm-hmm. how do you survive and until some then of
0: is reimbursement funds you have to spend money yeah you, you have to spend have it to get it in, in, in order, order to... get the money back and it's like okay right. we'll, we'll figure that how out. how do i later. do that yeah
3: i know it's very yeah. it's yeah. very difficult mm-hmm.
0: uh, so that's what arts arts managers do um you know we we we, we think that i do want i saw one question from ali berman which is i think interesting and we really didn't touch on that and like who of you are artists and what kind and who are much more audiences in the arts are either roles necessary to guide uh, uh, and help artists to be of service to the artists and I'm going to like I, I don't tell this a lot but I used to do a lot of performing you mentioned musical theater Lauren I did a lot of stuff on Long Island and I greatly miss it and I'm going back to it, I I mean, I'm going to figure out how to juggle some schedules, I'm probably not as good as I remember being, and I haven't been doing it for 15 years, but I miss doing it, and I see so many local things that are so good, and like, I want to do that again, so I I come from the performing arts background, I have a a degree in voice, among other things, which, you know, uh, that and a dollar won't buy you a cup of coffee these days, but I was very grateful to do that, Uh, and, and I miss it and I think you know I love being an audience member but I want to get back up there and start performing again I, I miss it I miss it greatly and I think I'll know, be
3: there the I would love to see that I'll come watch. I'll watch
0: yeah so. come see you field trip <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well I may hold you to it if I know I'm doing a decent job I'll let you know otherwise no <laughs> 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 but it's like I have to, and certain people are, are asked, you know, would you come back? I've got a part. And it's like, not right now with the, you know, once things calm down, I would love to get back to doing it. So just a little unknown fact about me. Oh, he did have some, some sort Fun of an background, but um, what, you know, Lauren, have you, have you actually done any performing?
3: Oh yeah yeah i did I did a lot of performing um when I was younger in musical theater. I continued I played flute and piccolo um throughout my college you know career too, so, so I was always the performing arts um I always tried to i took a lot of painting classes and drawing classes. It's not something that ever came real natural to me um but actually when i I spoke at Beth's uh curating class, uh I think in May or something <laughs> like that right, yes. and yes. this this woman here. I was talking about my experiences. We were kind of, you know, chatting before because I was super nervous to talk to kids, uh, kids, you know, young adults in college. Um, and she's like, "But Lauren, you are an artist because you're you're a curator." And I was Absolutely. like, "You know what? Thank you. yeah, you I am. am." So it really, you know, I I had never heard that before, honestly. Like no one had ever really stopped and said that to me oh. until Beth did, and I I was so. Uh, Appreciative to hear that because I feel like I've been I've been um, searching for that for my entire life and then I'm like oh wait I, I did achieve that you know I was curating, um, you know. Uh, a, a lot of exhibitions every single year, probably upwards of 50 60 exhibitions a year um, small large whatever with hundreds and hundreds of artists. Um, and I really, I, I did it and I enjoyed it and I won awards for it and, and all sorts of different things. And that was my, that was my. You were on TV art. for it, don't find out now. For it. I was, yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of where my, my artistic ability really came into my adulthood is, is through yeah. curating. Um, so thanks Beth. You're welcome,
0: <laughs> it's true. So, um, well, Liz. Yes. Are you an artist of any uh, of different other than, other than the artistic vision you bring to? Um, you, uh, uh,
1: yeah, I can. I'm I consider myself um, an artist. I, I consider myself a visual artist, but my art making practice has really been, you know, taking back burner to um, some of the other things. I feel like I have found a place in. Um, you know, really uh, advocating for the arts and working with the arts community. And I do, no, I do would love to get back into art making um, at some point, but it's just not, it's not my main focus now. They do have a background in, in it um, and kind of dabbled in a few different things, but really liked um, watercolor and some of those other things. Uh, and I used to play, um, some instruments and in the high school band. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> uh, but I haven't picked that up in years. Um, but
0: yeah. We're going to have to put on some sort of event with all of us and just make ourselves, out of out a, of ourselves awesome.
2: a little retreat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, arts <ours> are great. facilitates <laughs> so well, some Sui, making Sui and Ryan
1: creating.
0: From Westbury, art an excellent singer and a very fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, have that, a, you know,
1: a family band. Yeah,
0: um, <laughs> you're you're an artist, Beth. Uh, I am an about artist. About yeah, your, I mean that's
2: originally where everything's coming from, but. Um, I still show my work. So I, I have my practice and I make work as much as I can, but it's not often. Um, I often try to do like a residency or something like that because I'm always planning my work and conceptualizing it, but mm-hmm. I, I can make it now in a very like sort of short condensed amount of time. And I like working that way. It's just like how my studio practice is. It kind of always was that way, but now it's a little more intense. Um, so We'll see, but I had a solo show in Poland a couple of years ago. And so now I'm working on a new body of work to have another exhibition. I'm often showing it not so close to home. However, uh, both John Zeno and I are artists and we have, I'll do a little plug. We have some work (laughs) in an exhibition in Brookhaven Hamlet, um, which it's nice to be able to do that close to home because a lot of times it's not close.
0: You know, I'm just going to say, I notice when I don't use my artistic side, I get really cranky. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I just I just need to do things. Um, you know, Make one of the things, things I do on the side is I have this wealth of knowledge about musical theater and I do a lot of talks for libraries or um yes. uh, 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 a continuing education and i love do it i'm just so energized you know oh, sure sure i can do a talk on south pacific When you know when oh. do you want me how long do you want the talk done done and <laughs> doing research on things it just energizes me if i get too far away from actual arts activities it's not good for my soul it yeah. is definitely not good for my soul so um yeah yeah i i'm looking at our enemy mr clock here uh oh <laughs> And I'm seeing, we are just about finished here. If anybody has any last comments they would like to say, um, bring it on. Thank you. Up. For, oh, great. Thank
2: I, you for having me. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for it, putting me I on a did. panel with Lauren and Liz. <laughs> and
0: it, it's thank good you. to be back doing these, you know, part of why I started doing the conversations was we don't really get to talk about art mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes. often because we're too busy doing the things to make the art mm-hmm. happen. And you know, once a month for an hour and a half, I get to sit back and just talk to colleagues and, and hear what's going on and hear some things and and you know things, oh, I have to learn more about that or I have to pay more attention to that or oh that reminded me about that's why I do this job. You know, <laughs> little things like that sometimes. I think it's just so important to to continue this. So I, I can't thank you all enough. Um, I guess the last little factoid here in 2017, just this weird bunch of coincidences on the island where I was at a meeting with two other executive directors. And I said, would you like to start getting together and just like talk to each other? just so we know what's going on. And about a week later, the program officer, Leanne Tintori at at NISCA called me and says, I just got an application from a place called BACA on Long Island that I, I don't, you know, what's going on at Long Island? And I've got another application. What's going on with arts councils and like, funny you should mention it cuz i've just i've just made the connection here that long island has a lot of arts councils and most other areas don't and i wanted to start maybe getting us together and she said those magic words i'd love to come to this and i'll buy lunch you know so and we started meeting in 2017 in September and we've been meeting quarterly and just sharing ideas and helping people in some cases there's some mentoring going on in other cases it's I'm looking for a muralist well just you know like so some of us you know have it at the top of our head I need a class it's a good exchange of ideas and I will say I like to think there's a respect that, you know, certain programs, Beth, that we, we thought maybe we'll do something. Oh, they just did that in Patchogue. I'm not going to do a program that a colleague is doing. I think that is just wrong. You know, well, why don't you do classes in Huntington? Cause there's no need for classes in Huntington. Art league right over there, <laughs> dance studio. I can see out my window and see them. You know, there's just doesn't have that need for it. So it's not I part think, of our pitch.
1: I think the, cor- the consortium has been great. Um, And Long Island definitely is unique. I actually am from Scranton, Pennsylvania. So Long Island, learning about Long Island uh, as I've lived here the last few years. um, And I think, you know, Long Island is populous. I think it's home, I think over, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think over a third of New York's population is in Long Island. So we have a lot of unique communities and a lot of unique needs, but also kind of share some of the same unique problems so it's great to come together and kind of talk about those things it's been a great resource um and
0: and that we're not rivals you know what's good for one of us is probably going to be good for all of us and i think there's you know a nice camaraderie that's come about and you know you're very good colleagues and i appreciate you so thank you for joining us tonight Thank you to our audience for joining us uh, tonight as well. Tune in uh, for the double header next month, uh, one in Spanish. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how that's going to go. Uh, and thank you all for your continuing support of the arts. Go to see an arts event, especially on the 26th of this month, where you can—they're they're all over the place yeah. on the 26th. But yeah. on I on that day, <laughs> among other places. So, yes. thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a marvelous evening. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.